Welcome to Church Unscripted. Uh, we're excited to dive in today um, about the sermon this past weekend here at Brookside Church. We're so glad that you have taken the time to join us. Uh, if you haven't already, we would love if you would subscribe to our channel, hit the like button on this, share it with your friends, um, all of those things, just so that we can get the word out and, and people can be benefited from this conversation just like you might be. Uh, and so we're so glad you're here. We're here with Pastor Eric, Pastor John, uh, what are we talking about this weekend? We got the dove, right? And I think, John, you have some, I, some introductory conversation. Well, for one, I really think it should be the bald eagle. I'm still, like, yeah, thinking I, about I like Sunday the bald eagle a, little a lot bit. better. Yeah. yeah, the bald eagle. But why? I think this is a question for all of us, because as I was listening to you Sunday talk about this bald eagle, I'm like, I'm, like, leaning in. I'm leaning in. I'm like, where's he going with this? Oh, I get it now. Why do you think it might be surprising that the Holy Spirit's described as a dove? Well, because it seems to, to go against like the way that most of us perceive God. Like we tend to see him more often as like this powerful, um, uh, this powerful being that is, has no competition whatsoever. I mean, he's completely sovereign, has authority over everything. And so when we imagine what does that look like, I mean, the last image that we would have is of a dove. Uh, and if in the if the world of birds is the the world of icons we have to choose from, I mean the bald eagle is the hands down winner in terms of representing that kind of character. So, um, but there's a reason that that the Holy Spirit chose the dove over every other icon out there to represent His nature, which is which is surprising in so many ways. Yeah, and I I, I definitely am surprised because when I think of a dove, I definitely don't think of power. Right. I think of like God the Father being this like burning fire, consuming fire and things like that. And so um, it's very, it's a huge contrast, but you, you made a correlation on Sunday that I've heard a few times, but I was, I was a little more curious about it. So from Noah all the way to Jesus's baptism, the dove is coming in peace. And so why do you think the picture of a dove is one of peace? Well, I think in that world, so so in that world, the, the dove is, it's not a loud, boisterous kind of animal. I mean, it's everywhere, but the sight of a dove is of a graceful flyer. Um, fast as a dove might be, it's a graceful thing to watch. Um, and then typically with the image of a dove that we have is of pure white. And so pure white gives us a color of peace. Um, so I, I just think throughout history, I mean, the dove has been an icon that represents peace. And I think theologically speaking, uh, from no, the story of Noah and the Ark, when the dove brings back an olive branch, the olive branch has historically and biblically been seen as um, a peace offering. And that's why when we want to make people, peace with somebody, we say, you know, I'm going to offer them an olive branch. And that's why the olive branch is a symbol of peace uh, when nations come together. So um, there's a lot of history there that's not necessarily, I think, uh, rooted just in scripture. Um, but I think the connection of both the olive branch and the dove has has come to this place where it's it's the symbol of peace. So, but I don't know really the the ancient historical origins of that. I just well, I know the Jewish people considered yeah. it that, and that's yeah. why, like, even uh, descended in Jesus' baptism, it says descended in the form of a dove. Yeah, you know, right. and so like like in bodily form, mm -hmm. that that's really important there. And so, absolutely, um, I think I think one of the things as I listen to that though is it's such a large contrast with some of the other descriptions of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So this is something I, I was just thinking of as you were saying that. I was like, so how, how do we um, describe something that is almost indescribable in the Holy Spirit? And I think 
the dove is an apt picture of mm. the aspect of peace, but it's not mm. the only picture, right? Oh, no, no. Wait, you, whoa, whoa, you can't just give away the rest of the series. Okay, okay. okay. But, no, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, I mean, just to heads up, I mean, in other parts of the Bible, the Holy Spirit is, is considered wind and fire. I mean, that's not a... I mean, that's a violent experience, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in other places, he is called our seal. He's called wine. And so this is where Jesus says, I'm doing, I'm putting new wine uh, into the world. Um, mm-hmm. You don't put new wine in an old wine skin, it's going to burst. So the Holy Spirit is bringing a, a new kind of reality based in Jesus. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole lot of descriptors and names that this mm-hmm. scripture gives the Holy Spirit. The good thing is that there's not really one image that can really encapsulate the entirety of the Holy Spirit. So you can get like glimpses of how the Holy Spirit operates and who he is based upon some of these biblical descriptors. But um, to say that the only description of the Holy Spirit is that of a dove is short-sighted and falls short of like the entirety of who he is. I'm glad you say that because, uh, you know, Sunday you talked about how doves adapt to every environment. Yeah. Um, but they're skittish yeah, and they can right. kind of uh, flee quickly from chaos. Yeah. And so it's important that we have an environment of peace. Um, I wonder if people maybe got the perception that the Holy Spirit would leave them if their life was chaotic or like if I have anxiety, is the Holy Spirit actually with me or is he going to get scared and be skittish and flee from that? Um, and I think w- there's two things there. I like that the Holy Spirit isn't, only pictured as a dove. Yeah. And two, that uh, he works in an environment that is peace. And so if we're pursuing peace, then he will rest on that. But speak a little bit more to that on like, how do we, how do we kind of reconcile that with the image of the Holy Spirit like a dove and being skittish? Does he actually ever leave us? Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a legit question. I'm confident there's a lot of people who probably wondered that, especially in our day where a lot of us are dealing with significant levels of anxiety, right? So in every analogy, there's a breakdown point, even in the analogy of a dove uh, being representative of the Holy Spirit. So doves naturally are skittish and they will fly away quicker than any other bird from a conflict, uh, chaotic ridden environment, right? But the Holy Spirit does not leave us so the, so the difference is the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us, particularly because the Bible right after that says that he is our seal guaranteeing our inheritance. So um, he does not fly away. So our salvation is not at risk if we perceive we have a chaotic environment. The other thing is this, um, the Holy Spirit is always sovereign over every environment. Right. So it's not like the environment has authority over the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. whether that environment is an anxiety issue or it's an anger mm-hmm. um, or it's the culture of a home. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, the environment that is most at uh, precedent right now is the state of our heart and our mind. Mm-hmm. And so I can have issues with anxiety and I can struggle with that. However, mm-hmm. in the anxiety, if my heart and my mind is reaching out to the Holy Spirit for my help, because last mm-hmm. week we talked about yeah. he is our help, yeah. um, he is our comfort, he is our advocate, mm-hmm. that's the kind of environment the Holy Spirit is looking for. But in, in our anxiety or whatever it is, in our anger, whatever, if the culture and environment of our heart and our mind is, I'm going to let the anger or the anxiety overwhelm me and dictate my behavior, then the Holy Spirit says, well, if, if, if you don't want me to work, then I won't work. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's skittish in the sense of an environment scares him away. Mm-hmm. And it's not even the sense that, that Satan himself has authority over the Holy Spirit so that mm-hmm. he can scare the Holy Spirit away. Nothing like that. 
is that we have authority mm. to determine if the Holy Spirit can work in the environment we're in or if we let the environment overwhelm us and, and we push him away. So, I don't know, did I just so, confuse you more? Yeah, but I had a, I had a pop-up question here. Okay. So if we control the environment that the Holy Spirit can work in, in our, in our, in ourselves. Yeah. Do we become a puppet master for the Holy Spirit then? No. I, oh, that's a good question. Because I no, think the way, no, no. the way that you that's word true. that you yeah. can kind of, well, if right. I want the Holy Spirit to work this way and I create the right environment and I line everything up. then Are you gonna... talking about the incense? I'm going to light yeah. up after this. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, if I light up yeah. the incense, yeah. if I pray it's, the right prayer. Yeah. yeah. Like no, how, no. Do, I, how do you kind of, mm. how do you right. reconcile that thought of, of creating that environment with expectation, but also right. understanding that the Holy Spirit moves as he wills, not as you will. No, that's absolutely, I mean, it's a fantastic question. There's no way that you and I have the power to manipulate the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what you're getting at. In fact, there's enough biblical precedent that says that doesn't work. And there's some really bad consequences when you try it. Mm-hmm. And I think I've mentioned a couple of, maybe a couple of podcasts ago, um, Simon the Sorcerer in the book of Acts, mm-hmm. like yes. he did try to manipulate yeah. the environment so that he could get, the power and, and, uh, and effects of the Holy Spirit. And that really turned out bad for him. Mm. So when I say the right environment for the Holy Spirit to work, let me just give you a case in point. Um, when the environment around me is conducive to illicit, inappropriate, and immoral thoughts in my mind, mm. like if I'm on spring break or something like that, and I'm on a beach uh, resort, and there are people that might not be dressed the best, if I allow that environment to affect my mind, I could allow those thoughts to consume me. However, in that environment, I, I invite the Holy Spirit to take charge of my mind and I give those thoughts over to him. And all of a sudden I've created an environment for the Holy Spirit um, to purify my mind. So it's almost like the Holy Spirit says, these are the environments that I'm inviting you into. And if you're willing and want to go to those environments, then that is where I work. But if you don't want to go to those environments, mm. then I'm not going to brute force you. Um, so, well, in, in a yeah, sense, you're yeah. you're you're open to the spirits leading in that moment. Yeah, and yet yeah, yeah. The spirit, I, I, this is going to sound kind of terrible, but might not show up. Like in essence, right. like like you're you're just putting yourself in in a posture that I want the Holy Spirit to work mm. in my life, almost like open hand surrender. Mm. Oh yeah, and you're surrendering your thoughts, your attitudes, your actions to mm-hmm. that rather than being closed off and basically it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a snowball effect. Okay, I'm going to be mad. Well, next it's going to turn to bitterness and resentment and yeah, all those things. Yeah, so yeah. instead we're moving the opposite direction towards yeah, reconciliation yeah. and peace. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like so. th- there's a lot of homes that they might not say it publicly, but I know we got a lot of families at Brookside and they would probably say their homes can be more often than not chaotic, mm-hmm. um, conflict-ridden, um, anger um, issues and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I think in that environment, if you as the father of Jesus say, Holy Spirit, help me to respond to my wife or my husband or my kids with grace as opposed to revenge, the Holy Spirit says that's an environment where I can work and transform the home. So um, what, what happens when I pray that and I still get angry? Well, okay. The, the, or it's like, not going to happen this, overnight, well, no, man. Well, I know, yeah. this, I'm just saying. Did I this know. go from church unscripted to stump the pastor? No, no, no. no, 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 no I'm, okay. just, I'm just well, trying to, I'm just trying to, I know I, I know sometimes I've prayed, Holy Spirit, help me this. And then it, it doesn't happen. Is that, like, how do we, no, how do we wrestle one of the, with that? One of the past, for that example alone, one of the passages I read this Sunday is 
uh, in your anger, don't sin. Mm. So I don't necessarily think the Holy Spirit's gonna say, I'm gonna bring you to a point where you never get angry again. But I think he's gonna bring you to a point where in the environment of anger, Mm. you are so led by the Holy Spirit, you're so in tune with his voice Mm. and so obedient to his leadings Mm. that even when you're angry, you're not sinning. And so if you get angry at Katie, which I'm sure you've never been angry (laughs) at her and she's never been angry at you, right? Ever. Never. you can respond to her or react to her in a way that does not further hurt her, mm. but actually brings the reconciliation yeah. and, and heals the right. situation. So um, th- even another example, I don't think the Holy Spirit is gonna bring, especially us guys to a place where we are never tempted to sin ever again. But in the environment of sin, if we allow him to lead us, mm. we can create like this inner environment that is surrounded by the sinful environment so that even in the temptation, I don't let it go into sin. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I, I think I've got a good transition from yeah. this. Like leading out of that, as you talked about doves and you talked about doves, one scripture verse kept coming to mind. And it's when Jesus sends out the disciples in Matthew chapter 10. And he says, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, which that's not anything about doves, but mm-hmm. wait says, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And so mm-hmm. that led me to thinking a little bit. And so I, I kind of want to discuss, I, if, if innocence and doves, and it seems to be a theme actually in the Old and New Testaments, mm-hmm. that doves are white, they're clean, they're innocent. Mm-hmm. And so if the Holy Spirit's described as a dove, some of what you said on Sunday is true. Like when we're sinning, the Holy Spirit is not going to any way cause that sin, right? That would be mm-hmm. blasphemy, like yeah. that, that God would sin or cause mm-hmm. sin. And so when we're in a situation or um, where we're at the point of we have thoughts, but maybe the thoughts are turning in the wrong direction, when we resist that thought and turn to the Holy Spirit, we're going to act in innocence. So is that, do you, do you think that's a theme of the Holy Spirit is that, that we walk in innocence, essentially, when we allow the Holy Spirit as a dove to be a part of our life, not just a part of our life, but a guiding force in our life? Oh, it has to be. And I think, I think the lack of innocence is the greatest threat to the gospel being received by people. And so innocence is not just never committing a crime. Innocence is not polluting the purity of the gospel. So, so in our context right now, if, if I say on stage, hey, here's Jesus, embrace him, he loves you. But then on, on Monday, I become like some social media warrior and stuff. And I say, anyone who votes this way, you're all going to hell. I mean, that is not innocence because I'm corrupting the purity of the gospel because the man who is representing the gospel on Sunday is misrepresenting it on Monday. Um, And I think that's what he's talking about. And so wisdom helps you discern the purity of the gospel and how it can be corrupted by a lack of innocence. So it really calls into question the way that other people perceive us. And so if our actions or our words or our behavior is causing some kind of... um, break in the relationship, then all of a sudden the power of the gospel is mm-hmm. undercut because the gospel's representative no longer looks like the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and I think kind of the reason I was thinking about that was specifically the fact that I hear the word agenda a lot, like in conversation, like this person has an agenda. Yeah. And I think like if, if the Holy Spirit's a dove and there's an innocence in our life mm. as we as we model that, but also are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Like, shouldn't our agenda be the gospel? Shouldn't our agenda be sharing Jesus Christ with people? I mean, like, just 
you look at how he had self-sacrificial love. We recently talked about agape love. Mm-hmm. We talked about all that. So, so is, there, is there something deeper that we can do practically? And this is for both of you. I, I think mm-hmm. David might have some answers on this, but like practically to say, maybe as a, a values check, like mm-hmm. you just mentioned a very simple example, like preach Sunday morning, Monday morning, social media warrior telling people how to vote. <laughs> that's, an, like, that's an obvious one, it seems. But what's, what's some other practical ways that we can be, I guess, innocent, not mm-hmm. agenda-driven, and be focused on our agenda is the gospel versus anything else? Because mm. we get lost yeah. in that. I mean, yeah. spend five minutes on YouTube, guys. Mm. Like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. Like, you're, you're watching stuff that's, that's making your mind think certain mm. ways and your mind is off of Christ. Mm. Now, Two things, we're we're both David. looking at you. Yeah, 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 I know. Two things came to mind, uh, communion and community. Um, communion with the Father and uh, with God the Trinity, with communion with them, spending time in the word, um, I feel like that just propels me more to want to share Jesus. The more I get to know Jesus, the more that innocence and purity of the gospel goes forth. Um, I think that's, that's a huge thing is just spending time with your father. Um, and the second is community, having people around you who uh, encourage you, challenge you, Um, because we all have blind spots. We all have areas where we fall short. And um, I think the Holy Spirit, I know the Holy Spirit can use other people to remind us of of the gospel. And so having people around you, I think that's like huge. Um, And I'm I'm finding that. I've missed that for the majority of my life. Um, And I'm finding that now. I'm, I'm finding a group of men who are speaking into my life that are, that are reminding me of the gospel and, and kind of that whole thing. I don't know if that answered your question, but that's, those are the two things that came to mind. I think we sometimes forget. We think of the Holy spirit as descending like a dove at Jesus' baptism. And instead the Holy spirit sometimes is people talking to you and discussing things with you. And you can sense in them because the Holy spirit tells you this person's speaking. Yes. And this is truth. And I would say sometimes David, and maybe this isn't what all of what you're describing, mm-hmm. but it's people saying things you don't want to hear. Like yeah. we're saying things in mm-hmm. not, not in a rebuking way, but just like, yeah. Hey, have you thought of this? You mentioned blind spots. And it's like, uh-huh. have you thought maybe this is really going on or are you struggling with this? Cause I get the sense that like, there's something there. Yeah. I mean, when you say that, Eric, I mean, that seems to be. No, absolutely. And, and that's why I think that, you know, the older I get and the longer I'm in, in full-time ministry, the more the critical um, requirement to be an elder in a church is to be Jesus-centered and spirit-led. Mm. And I think some churches get that wrong where the qualifications is, are you successful in a business and you have a strong personality, yeah. right? Wow. And so I think, I think that has burned some churches in the past, which mm. is why I'm so appreciative of our current elder board yeah. because I sense that they are more spirit-driven and mm. Jesus-centered. Um, and not that they're bad, not that they lack other things. Mm. I mean, mm. Paul says that I desire to, uh, know nothing but the the resurrection, right? right? Now, that's a little bit misleading because Paul knew a whole lot about a whole lot. In mm-hmm. fact, some people say that Paul is in the top 10 smartest people in history, right? So um, it's not suggesting that we become ignorant about mm-hmm. politics or ignorant about you know sports or whatever else, but it's the banner that I'm going to raise mm-hmm. um, is gonna be the banner of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what people are gonna know me as uh, more than anything else. So, well, and that's what I was thinking about yeah. when you said that. I was like, the gospel informs our views on everything else versus yeah. 
our gospel right. mm. that we make up being informed by everything else. Mm. So like, instead of looking at areas like politics that is so heated at times, mm. we're looking at it from the perspective of what does the Bible tell me about that and how does it inform mm. what I should think? Right. right. You know, I, I remember having like two or three conversations with uh, staff I was at at a previous church and every single time it was like, I'm trying to make you think a little differently because it was like, this is the only way to do this or this is the only way to do that mm. or you can only vote this way or you can only say this about this politician. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I think it's much deeper than that. Like, I think yeah, if you yeah. take it back to scripture, you're going to find that people can have different perspectives mm. and they're all mm. pretty valid. Yeah. And, and Jesus, honestly... If you notice him, he said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and he was kind of hands-off in some yeah. ways. And I, I don't think that means, that again, that we, don't, we need to be ignorant of no, politics no, or any other no, subject right. or, or even not have convictions of mm-hmm. it. I think, I think what it means to be innocent as a dove in that kind of scenario is I can sit across the table from you, and we can have a political conversation mm-hmm. um, or any other kind of conversation. Yeah. Um, and if we disagree, I'm not going to allow our disagreement to corrupt the mm-hmm. purity of the testimony of the gospel. Mm, yes. um, it doesn't mean that I can't have convictions on things and it doesn't mean I can't speak loudly about things, mm. but I don't want anything to corrupt the purity of, of the gospel. And I think the Holy Spirit gives you leadership in that. Yeah, one of the things you said was uh, doves aren't scared. They're sensitive to mm-hmm. the environment. Yeah. And I feel like that's almost what you're getting at is like, they're not, you know, the Holy Spirit's not scared to step into any environment, but he's sensitive to those environments. And so then as an extension, we can be sensitive to environments and help people, you know, with, with following the Holy Spirit in their environments as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Here's a test. This is something I've thought about a lot is being in an environment where someone is really has a strongly held opinion that you completely disagree with mm-hmm. and hold your tongue <laughs> because you don't need to say anything. Mm-hmm. In fact, you're not going to convince them of anything. Mm-hmm. It, maybe the Holy Spirit just wants you to be there to listen for that next conversation mm-hmm. that you can share the gospel with them or something else. I mean, that's, it's hard sometimes because we want to tell people the truth. I mean, I'm using quotation <laughs> marks because it's like we have to tell people. But the reason I'm using quotation marks is sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't work the way we mm-hmm. want the Holy Spirit to work in that moment. You mean the Holy Spirit doesn't serve our own agenda? Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> There's so, your sarcasm right so there. I love not it. To, not to pivot too much more, but I, I've got a question I think you almost have a yes or no answer to. So, okay. but I think yeah. on Sunday, there was almost this contrast that you made and it was almost black and white. So like, let me ask a question this way. If the Holy Spirit is going to work in our life, is it as black and white as if we're a people of chaos, he won't work. And if we're a people of peace, he will work. Oh, it, again, it depends on, <laughs> you never ask a yes or no question. So okay. yeah, I've got to explain that a little bit. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just messing with you. It, it's got to depend on the way you define a chaotic and peaceful environment. Um, now the Holy Spirit can do anything he wants to. So, and uh, he has been able to, go ahead. Let me, let me give a yeah. caveat on that even further. Yeah. Is it, I'm, I'm speaking uh, internal environment. I'm not talking external because like, I think mm. a lot of us live in a chaotic environment. Mm. Like the world is chaotic. Oh yeah. And so that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not going to use us because we're in a chaotic environment. I mean, think of missionaries Mm -hmm. and the chaos that happens like in foreign countries and what happens. So if we're a people of chaos and that I'm meaning like I'm purposely creating drama, I'm purposely creating chaos with the people around me. Mm. Is it as black and white as God won't work or God will work? 
Oh man, he, no, it's not as black and white as that. Okay, <laughs> I mean, God, God can do what He wants to in any way that He wants to do it. Mm. I think the idea is: Do we want to keep ourselves more in the center of the Holy Spirit stream, or do we want to find ourselves on? I mean, outside of it, mm. and not in the center of His power, not in the center of His wisdom. Uh, but it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is dependent on our behavior or our environment to do what He wants to do. Yeah. And there's so much precedent throughout Scripture where the Holy Spirit does things simply because he wants to do it. Um, and it's irregardless of what anybody says. But I think the invitation is, here's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And if we align our environment, our internal environment to the environment of the Holy Spirit, then that is in a sense, we're in the center of the stream um, of power and grace mm-hmm. and wisdom, those kinds of things. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of like a sliding yeah. scale. Yeah. Like, like God wants to use us and we need to be open to him using yeah. us essentially. Yeah. So uh, one thing you mentioned on Sunday that was like kind of a, just an, it seemed more of an offhand comment because you talked about peace a lot. You talked about dove a lot, but at one moment you, you said something about safety. And so you unpacked it for a little bit, but like how important is it for us to be a person or a, a place, mm-hmm. the body of Christ, let's say, to be a place that's safe for others? Doesn't, doesn't scripture say that our God is our safe refuge, a strong fortress, an ever-present help in trouble? Mm. And if that's the nature and personality and intention of our God, then I suspect that that's the kind of people that he wants mm. us to be. So we are not here just to communicate a word. We're here to be a certain kind of people. And if the Holy Spirit uh, is sensitive to environments and he works the best in safe environments, then I think the translation for that practically for us mm-hmm. is that people will be most receptive to the gospel uh, that is spoken through our lives if they sense mm-hmm. uh, that we are a safe place, um, that they are not gonna be judged by their past sins mm-hmm. uh, or they're not gonna be condemned or shamed mm-hmm. or shunned or anything like that. And I know that sounds like, oh, we would never do that, but there's, there's way too many people who walk through the doors of our church having felt that way by other Christians, unfortunately. Um, well, and that's difficult. I mean, yeah. Jesus himself said he was without sin, cast the first stone. Yeah, right. Yeah. And right. all of a sudden, everyone's right. not casting a stone. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is, there is some uh, relevance to that. And I think, I think safety is a, is a mm-hmm. profound thing. David, earlier, when you asked him the question about the Holy Spirit being skittish, I think this was answered, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this back to you. David didn't know I had questions for him too, but so... Why do we need to have confidence that the Holy Spirit won't leave us if we have salvation? Why do you think we need to have confidence in that? Hmm, that's a good question. Because it's, it's kind of an offshoot of that. Because, I mean, honestly, people could have heard that, but you answered it. So say it again. So, so like, why do we need to have confidence that the Holy Spirit won't leave us if we have salvation? Hmm. <laughs> you know, once we have salvation, we have the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, that's what... I see in scripture. Yeah. yeah. Security, salvation, like, I mean, it's, it's there. Yeah. So I think the confidence is important so that you operate as a person of peace. Um, as you were kind of talking here uh, just a moment ago, I think, you know, if we are a, if we recognize that we are sealed in the Holy Spirit, that gives me peace. Like there, there that's like a heavy load lifted. Like there's no performance anxiety. We talked about that earlier. There's no performance anxiety in that. Um, it doesn't give me an excuse to neglect the Holy Spirit or to grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, 
But I think if we can become, it, it allows us to become a people of peace. So then that peace can then transform the environment of our church, of our family. Um, and the Holy Spirit can then work in external environments because we're a people of peace. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but it, it does. It, it does it kind was, of, I, I had an experience when I was in social work and I remember being in a room where basically the kids were going nuts. I mean, I, I worked in residential treatment mm -hmm. and so like they're throwing things and everything yeah. and I'm just kind of standing there and everyone else, like all the other staff mm -hmm. are like, ah, they're freaking yeah. out. They're yelling and stuff. And I'm like, it's interesting. I, that's kind of what I feel like sometimes being a believer is if we're a people of peace yeah. is we're looking around this like environment around us where people mm -hmm. are lashing out at each other and things are happening mm -hmm. and God's allowed us to do that. When we have confidence in the Holy Spirit, yeah. we can be a people of peace. Right. When we don't have that confidence, that, that's where we get shaken in, in our ability mm -hmm. to be peaceful. Right. I mean, yeah. think about I me. Mean, what would, how would we feel if, if we wondered on any given moment, you know, is the Holy Spirit in me or not? I mean, did I really mess up or mm -hmm. was that not big enough a mess up to compel the Holy Spirit to leave? So I remember when I was a kid, um, I remember it was almost every other day. I was like, oh, am I really saved? And so I felt like I had to keep asking Jesus into my heart over and over what, again. Was that every kid at church camp? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And then like every time like in youth group or church camp, they said, anyone want to accept Jesus? I know all of my friends, including myself, raised our hand because they're like, are we really sure? So if, if I felt that like the Holy Spirit was in me and then out, in and out, in and out, I mean, that does nothing to breed confidence mm. in him. And it also does nothing to breed peace in me. Mm. And in a world where everything that we depend on eventually disappoints us, the Holy Spirit mm. would just be one more thing in our life that disappoints us. Wow. And so the Holy Spirit, um, and of course the Godhead, is the one foundation in the Christian's life mm. that ultimately and eternally never disappoints mm. you. And so yes. the very fact that we have in us the one thing in reality that mm. will never disappoint fosters that peace that bleeds out in our behavior and this, this atmosphere demeanor that mm -hmm. we project that the world looks at and says, how can you be so at peace in a world that is mm. so full of chaos? Um, and I think that brings peace in the chaos, right? Yeah, is yeah. like the Holy Spirit in us creating peace that overflows at some point. So in the so it's almost an inside the the old song inside out, right? Um, but it's that okay, I have internal peace now. I can be an agent of peace, and now the chaos around me is all of a sudden settling because because the Holy Spirit in me is present in that external environment. Like, I love that. And I actually, when you, Sunday, when you said, when you were talking about the dove and uh, how doves are skittish and, you know, they flee from environments that, you know, they don't, uh, that are kind of chaotic. At first I thought, oh no, like, is my life chaotic? Is the Holy Spirit ever going to leave me? And then I realized it actually, what it was doing was it was chant like, like the Holy Spirit in that moment was challenging me to analyze the environments in my life. It wasn't necessarily a, hey, if, you're, if your life is chaotic, I'm going to leave you. It's a, hey, do you have a chaotic atmosphere in your heart or is it an atmosphere of peace? And if it's not, how can I help you? And it's, I feel like we're just building on that Holy Spirit as helper, Holy Spirit as peace, as the dove. Um, and I just, I love that. Like I know a lot of people probably felt uneasy with that because I did too, but... I think that was really powerful to understand.
so, yeah. something yeah. you said when you said like, oh, the Holy Spirit's in me, the Holy Spirit's out of me, like when you're talking about when you were a kid, it's, I think a lot of Christians have an Old Testament understanding of the Holy Spirit. And mm. what I mean is if you look at Saul and David, mm. Saul had the Holy Spirit and it says it was taken from him. Mm. And when you look at the New Testament, the, the Holy Spirit was given unapologetically to anyone that put their faith in Christ. There was no like- Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, well, I know. Like, I mean, I look, <laughs> like, at, I look right. at the story of Saul and I'm like really scared because look yeah. what happened to him. But, yeah. and so, but I think we live, many Christians live like we're in the Old Testament, at least theologically. Well, and I mean, so, take the Psalms, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Like, that's one of our favorite psalms, right? Like, yeah. oh, create in me a clean heart. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, take not the Holy Spirit. It's kind of, it creates you. Like, oh, no. That, that a type panic, of, yeah. Yeah, like that type of theology. Yeah. But we have to recognize that Jesus fulfilled that. Right. And we have the Holy Spirit. We're sealed. I mean, I this, this is the, the clear message that Peter and the disciples spoke in Acts when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, they were, they were quoting an Old Testament prophecy where every Old Testament prophet was looking forward to this very moment where it says, I will write my laws on your hearts and in your minds and I will be your God and you will be my people. Um, and, and it was just a, a perfect confirmation that the Holy Spirit has now been given to everyone um, unapologetically, Jew or Gentile, Greek, it doesn't matter. In Christ, he's in you. And there's nothing that, that there's nothing that's gonna cause him to leave. Um, now, I think, I think there's a caveat to that. I think that you can have the Holy Spirit in you, but you can so neglect his presence that your life can look like it's as if he's not there. Um, and that gets into a whole nother conversation, but we don't I, have time I for it today. Like, I feel like that's a second or like in two or three weeks, that, right? Don't give the plan away, dude. Come okay, on. all right, all right. We've got a schedule here. So, yeah. so I, do, I do have a question that I think is yeah. important and I'm speaking very specifically. Are Christians supposed to be peacekeepers or peacemakers? You got to describe the difference because I, okay. I know that question, but- so, You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, you got to describe so, the so difference. So a, a peacemaker um, goes into a situation with the purpose of making peace. What, what that means mm-hmm. is there's action required. Mm-hmm. Um, a peacekeeper- is very hands-off. Like, think of it as like when the UN goes in and they can't fire a weapon, but they're carrying guns. It makes no sense. They're not really keeping peace. And we've seen how that turns out all over the world. And so, but peacemakers are saying, I'm, I'm gonna go to bat for both advocate for mm-hmm. myself, but also advocate for these other people. And I'm gonna find peace here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it requires action. So mm-hmm. there, a peacemaker or a peacemaker won't avoid peace. A peacekeeper could avoid peace. Okay. Peacekeeper could create chaos. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, that's my personality is a peacekeeper. Bomb drops. Yeah, Can believe, I drop the be, mic? Boom. Believe it or not. <laughs> um, and I'm realizing that I can create chaos if I keep peace, whether it's in my home or in uh, ministry. Uh, there's, an, there's a time, like, I feel like the, the last six months for me, the Holy Spirit has really been challenging me to be a peacemaker, to fight for peace. Because a peacekeeper just is more passive. And just as long as everyone's happy, I hear, avoids the I conflict. Hear, I hear yeah. your side, I hear your side. It's all fine. Yeah. It's, it's going to be fine. It's, it sounds like a crazy person, though. Do you notice that? No, no, it's all fine. I, I, Everything's okay. It's don't okay. Don't call me crazy. Yeah. I mean, no. <laughs> um, but I think that, that that's a good distinction to make yeah. because I've recognized in my life how much has shifted since I've pursued peace and making peace instead of just trying to keep it. 
Yeah, if Jesus was a peacekeeper, he would have never gone to the cross because everybody would have loved him because he would have pandered to everybody's whims and the religious leaders and so forth that was challenging him, he would have acquiesced to their pressure and said, okay, fine, I won't preach in the name of God or anything. I won't call myself the son of God anymore. And he would have never gone to the cross and we would never be saved. So the very fact that Jesus was a peacemaker though, compelled him to step into the conflict embrace the conflict so that truth Mm. and wisdom rule the day, not somebody's preference or opinion. Mm. Preach it. I I don't know how to follow that. Preach it. Preach it. I think think specifically, and part of the reason I had that question is I thought Sunday, I was like, when people hear the word peace, Mm. there's some that heard, I'm going to be a peacekeeper. I'm just going to like let things go make sure everyone's happy let go let god like and sometimes like let go let god is not the right answer you know and Mm. um i think of situations where you know something's wrong and (laughs) in the sake of keeping peace you don't say anything or do anything Mm. and advocate for others and i think Mm. that's very important that that we're peacemakers and the holy spirit even though it's a dove Still he, responds, even though he's he, a dove. He's a dove. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I know. <laughs> you know I did that, it once. Know, it's once a week, man. <laughs> it's once a week. He. That, that's, that's why the Holy Spirit is happy to challenge us in our sin and happy to mm-hmm. call us out when there's error. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, th- I think the world that does not have a relationship with the Holy Spirit is enjoying something of a blissful ignorance because the Holy Spirit is not there to step into the sinful conflict that is in their hearts and minds and actually call it out and redeem it. And so it's almost like, well, why do we have to deal with some of the the frustration as Christians of always being challenged with our sin, you know, that feeling, that guilt? But the Holy Spirit, because he wants to create peace in our hearts and minds, is willing to call our sin out so that it's addressed and we're being cleansed from it. So that's that's almost like it's a love-hate relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's really bad to say. Uh, that's not theologically accurate. Uh, uh, now we're on the spot. This is, this is Church Unscripted. We're going to walk yeah, that right. back. Walk back. <laughs> Rewind. Uh, I might get an email. Um, it's john at brookside.org. Oh, uh, so always, you can, always. You can get it. Always. But that's part of the, part of the thing that as, they, as you age and you've walked with the Spirit longer, you appreciate about him is he's not willing to let brokenness and chaos and sin reign for long. And as a peacemaker, he'll step in and do whatever he needs to to redeem it. I, I've, I've had very profound moments where I feel conviction and it's not because someone said something to me. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the sense of like, bam, like all of a sudden this mm-hmm. thoughts in my head and I'm like, God, I, I can't believe I've been doing this or I can't believe I've said this. Or mm-hmm. um, I can think of times where I was convicted about something and I go to someone else because I thought I sinned against someone else, which I probably did, mm-hmm. but we're so used to being sinned against. Guess what? Those people that I I asked forgiveness of, they didn't even care. They didn't care. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing that was profound about it is in every case, some of the times they were believers, like they'd be like, wow, you you really care about me. Like, that's important. Mm -hmm. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Like, they didn't know what to do. They were like, yeah, you're forgiven. They, 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 it kind of hands off almost. But if we're gonna be peacemakers, I think we'd see more of that. The innocence part of it, is much like David, which you talked about mm-hmm. creating me a clean heart. Yeah. David was a man after God's own heart because he repented. Yeah. If you look at his life, whoa. David wouldn't be accepted as a pastor in a church. <laughs> if you look at his life, how he yeah. treated his kids, what, what he did, mm-hmm. he committed adultery. I mean, but the reality is why, why would God ever say that? Is because he kept repenting and he kept repenting and he kept repenting and he was innocent like a dove. Mm-hmm. 
And so I, I, I had one, one thing from your take home right at the end that kind of, I wanted you to unpack more because as you said it, I bought, I wonder what Eric means by this. Hmm. I don't usually have that, but I was trying to, I was trying to figure <laughs> out and it was, what does it mean to turn back home with the Holy Spirit? Like, oh, what does man. that mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, they, yeah. like that's, I think there, you could have spent a whole sermon on that. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. yeah, and and that, that, that's why I love the church unscripted is because, I mean, honestly, 30 minutes on a Sunday mm. to address conversations that yeah. ought to take hours of conversation um, gives us a little bit more room to do that. So mm-hmm. um, I love, and I can't remember what author did. I think it might've been C.S. Lewis. He defined the Holy Spirit as the hound of heaven. And I love that image because it's like, he's not just sitting back saying, well, anybody that shows up at the door and wants to get in, we'll point him to Jesus. No, he is mm-hmm. aggressively pursuing our hearts, right? To try to bring us home. Um, and and. That's the, other, that's the other thing I mentioned that I learned about doves is that they're really fast and they know how to get home better than any other kind of animal, yeah. right? Yeah. And so when we let the Holy Spirit capture our hearts, um, mm. it, it's not that he sends us on some lifelong pursuit of meaning and truth. We're reading all kinds of religious texts and all kinds of books. He draws us directly to Jesus. Mm. And the moment that we grab a hold of him, we're right there with Jesus in the next moment. And so that's why I think that... Um, that's why I really kind of said that with him, we can get home quickly. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. And I agree with that, but I think it was like that profound light bulb for me. Like, mm. wait a second. I'm home when I'm with the Holy Spirit. I'm home when I'm open to the Holy Spirit. I'm home. Like everything kind of mm. came together with the, with the picture of the mm. dove. Um, it's almost that moment where Jesus gets baptized there was like that second where yet he was, he was distant to the father and the Holy spirit in the sense that he was on earth with us present, mm. but he was home for a second. Yeah. That's what I kept thinking of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when John's baptizing him. So yeah, I, I just, I think, I think sometimes some of us are missing out on that. Yeah. Like absolutely. that picture yeah. of home. Yeah. Um, sometimes we feel lost and we don't have home every moment. Yeah. And I think if we had the picture of like, okay, if I'm open to the spirit, I'm really at home. Hmm. that's where home is and where God wants us. Hmm. So that's good. That's good. I think that's a good way to, to wrap up today. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we, we love wrestling through this. Um, We don't have all the answers. We don't pretend to have all the answers and we're glad that you're with us on this journey. If you do have questions, you can text us at any time, 260-250-4700. And we would love to answer your questions either via text or in the podcast as well. And we'd love for you to join us this Sunday, uh, Brookside Church, 930 and 11, or online at 930. Um, We're so glad you're here, and uh, we'll see you next time.